the passage out of Matthew 25 uh, about the parables and the uh, ten bridesmaids. And so I want to talk about that just for a few minutes. And I'm not going to try to do it all today, but I'm just going to say a couple of things to aggravate you, which is my way. Uh, so, <clears throat> that is my love language. It's my, actually my spiritual gift. It's my spiritual gift. Um, uh, Chuck, have you got that pulled up so they can read along with me? I'm in the Passion, and I'm going to actually read this uh, whole chapter. I'm going to start with one per- portion first, though. Okay. So, uh, when my coming draws near, heaven's kingdom, heaven's, ki- sorry, tell me when. Okay, thanks. Heaven's kingdom realm can be compared to ten maidens who took their oil lamps and went outside to meet the bridegroom and his bride. We'll come back to that. Five of them were foolish and and ill-prepared, for they took no extra oil for their lamps. And five of them were wise, for they took flasks of olive oil with their lamps. When the bridegroom didn't come when they expected, Selah, they all grew drowsy and fell asleep. Then suddenly, in the middle of the night, they were awakened by the shout, Get up! The bridegroom is here. Come out and have an encounter with him. Selah. So all the girls got up and trimmed their lamps, but the foolish ones were running out of oil. So they said to the five wise ones, Share your oil with us because our lamps are going out. We can't, they replied. We don't have enough for all of us. You'll have to go and buy some for yourselves. And while the five girls were out buying oil, the bridegroom appeared. And those who were ready and waiting were escorted inside with him and the wedding party to enjoy the feast. And then the the door was locked. Later, the five foolish girls came running to the door and pleaded, Lord, Lord, let us come in. But he called back, go away. Do I know you? I can assure you, I don't even know you. And that's the reason that you should always stay awake and be alert because... You know that you don't know the day or the hour when the bridegroom will appear. So just pause here for a second. Don't keep reading. I wanted to say a couple of things about that part. One is all of these um, stories that we're getting ready to read is Jesus continues to say the kingdom of heaven is like the kingdom of heaven is like he's trying to tell us what the kingdom of heaven is like. He keeps talking about that. So he's trying to give us pictures what the kingdom of heaven is like. So it's important that as you're reading this, Jesus is trying to tell you spiritual truths that's beyond what you know, and he's telling you in natural terms. Are you with me so far? But each of these natural terms have real significance. So now, what's so interesting is we normally stop that story right there. I don't know how you've heard it taught, but that's how I've heard it taught. But then if you keep going, it says a parable about financial stewardship. What? We're talking about money now? What happened? So just pay attention now to this next story. Again, heaven's kingdom is like a wealthy man who went on a long journey and summoned all his trusted servants, all his trusted servants, and assigned his financial management over to them. Before he left on his journey, he entrusted a bag of 5,000 gold coins to one of his servants, to another a bag of 2,000 gold coins, and to the third a bag of 1,000 gold coins, each according to his ability to manage. Each according to his ability to manage. The one entrusted with 5,000 coins immediately went out and traded with, um, traded with the money, and he doubled his investment. In the same way, the one who was entrusted with 2,000 coins traded with the sum and likewise doubled his invest- investment. 
But the one who had been entrusted with 1,000 gold coins dug a hole in the ground and buried his master's money. After much time had passed, the master returned to settle accounts with his servants. And the one who was entrusted with 5,000 gold coins brought 10,000, saying, See, I've doubled your money. Committing his servant, the master replied, You've done well and proven yourself to be my loyal and trustworthy servant. Because you have been faithful, a faithful steward to manage a small sum, now I will put you in charge of much, much more. You will experience the delight of your master who will say to you, Enter into the joy of the Lord. Then the one who had been entrusted with 2,000 coins came and said, See, my master, I have doubled what you have entrusted to me. Commending his servant, the master replied, You have done well, and proven yourself to me to be loyal, trustworthy servant. Because you were faithful to manage a small sum, now I will put you in charge of much, much more. You will experience the delight of your master, who will say to you, Enter into the joy of your Lord. Then the one who had been entrusted with 1,000 gold coins came to his master and said, Look, sir, I know that you're a hard man to please, and you're a shrewd and ruthless businessman who grows rich on the backs of others. I was so afraid of you that I went and hid your money and buried it in the ground. But here it is. Take it. It's yours. But his master said to him, You are an untrustworthy and lazy servant. If you knew that I was shrewd and a ruthless businessman who always makes a profit, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? Then I would have received it all back with interest when I I returned. But because you were unfaithful, I will take the 1,000 gold coins and give them to one who has 10,000. For the one who has will be given more until he overflows with abundance. The one with hardly anything, even what little he has, will be taken from him. Then the master said to his um, other servants, Now, throw that good-for-nothing servant far away from me into the outer darkness where there will be great misery and anguish. Now, what I think is interesting, I don't know what your history is, my history is, we spend more time talking about this phrase, outer darkness would be great misery and anguish, than we do about until he overflows with abundance. The judgment of the multitudes, we carry on. When the Son of Man appears in his majestic glory with all his angels by his side, he will take his seat on his throne of splendor, and all the nations will be gathered together before him. I just want to stop here. This is the place we pray from. Like right now, Jesus seated on his throne, and he is overseeing the nations. So we don't, we we have an internal fear, but our spiritual stance is we are seated with Jesus in the heavenly places, and as he looks out over the nations, we say what he says. So your heart may give away. But your spirit rises up to connect with the Holy Spirit. And so you're living in a culture that's consumed with feelings and fear and very little spiritual reality. So I'm calling each of us to rise up and speak your voice from sitting with the Heavenly Father in heavenly places. Amen? Amen. So you don't have to feel it. You don't even have to understand it. Because see, we're trying to get out of this place and get up here. The Spirit perfectly understands the spiritual condition of the world. Yes? Yes. 
And so we speak what Jesus is speaking when he's overseeding the nations. Like, if you can ever get in worship and get to this place of seeing Jesus seated on the throne, and he's looking out over the world that he created, and the nations, and he's going, I speak peace, and I'm putting these pieces in places. And we're sitting right here next, I'm going, okay, I'm, I'm going to try to do, I'm like with mom in the kitchen. Okay, mom's cutting up vegetables. Okay, I'm going to cut vegetables. Okay, mom's whipping this up. Okay, I'm going to whip this up. Do you see, he's teaching us how to intercede for the nations. But you have to first know that you're sitting right next to Jesus. And that that's the place that we come from. Instead of this, oh no, what am I going to do? I'm going to go to the throne where all things are possible. That's what I'm going to do. So when the Son of Man appears on his seat in the throne of splendor, all the nations will be gathered before him. And like a shepherd who separates the sheep from the goats, he will separate all the people. And the sheep he will put on his right side and the goats on his left. Then the king will turn to those on his right and say, you have a special place in my father's heart. What a, I mean, you have a special place in my father's heart. Come and experience the full inheritance of the kingdom realm that has been destined for you from the foundation of the world. I want somebody to read that at my funeral. Can you make sure that happens? Okay. Come and experience the full inheritance of the kingdom realm that has been destined for you from the foundation of the world. For when you saw me hungry, you fed me. And when you found me thirsty, you gave me drink. And when I had no place to stay, you invited me in. And when I was poorly clothed, you covered me. When I was sick, you tenderly cared for me. And when I was in prison, you visited me. <clears throat> then the godly will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or give you <clears throat> excuse me, food or something to drink? And when do we see you with no place to stay and invite you in? When did we see you poorly clothed and cover you? When did we see you t- sick and tenderly or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer him, Don't you know that when you cared for one of the least of these, my little ones, my true brothers and sisters, you demonstrated love for me? And then to those on his left, the king will say, Leave me, for you're under the curse of the eternal fire that's been destined for the devil and all of his demons. For when you saw me hungry, you gave me no food. When you saw me thirsty, you gave me no drink. I had no place to stay. You refused to take me in as your guest. When you saw me poorly clothed, you closed your hearts and did not clothe me. And when you saw that I was sick, you didn't lift a finger to help me. And when I was imprisoned, you never came to visit me. And those on his left will say, Lord, when did we see you hungry, thirsty, or not give you food or something to drink? When did we see you homeless and poorly clothed? When did we see you sick and not help or in prison and not visit you? And then he will answer them, don't you know that when you refuse to help one of the least of these among my little ones, true brothers and sisters, you refuse to help and honor me? And they will depart from his presence into eternal punishment. But the godly and beloved sheep will enter into eternal bliss. It's a weighty passage, isn't it? So I'm going to talk about this morning about the power of the filling of the oil. That's all we're going to try to take on this morning. But I want you to, I wanted to read the whole passage to you this morning because I want you to see the context I know that we don't often read long passages of scripture like that anymore, but I want you to see the context about why this story is so important to Jesus. Because Jesus is the one telling the story, right? Jesus is trying to give us a gift. He's trying to give us revelation. And so this isn't a Bible story. This is a Jesus story. He's trying to tell you something about what's coming. Did you get that part? So listen this morning for what Jesus is trying to tell you in this method of a story. One is I love how uh, in the Passion Translation they change it from ten virgins to ten bridesmaids because uh, in other translations it makes it sound like Jesus is going to be sleeping with a harem. 
which uh, the Muslims may like that, but the Christians not so much. Do you know what I mean? <clears throat> so we don't, we love that this is a feast and we are his bride and there is a party that we're being invited into. That's one thing. And then the second thing is uh, I have in the footnotes, this is like so important. In other translations, it says that they were going to be called out to meet the, the groom, to meet the groom. That's what they say in lots of other translations. They're called out to meet the groom. But they said that um, this, trans, this word, uh, 25.6 is the verse I'm talking about, is not simply to meet someone or to have a meeting, but it's a rare Greek noun, not a verb. A rare Greek noun means to have an encounter. So God is always calling us to have an encounter. Head knowledge, super fun. But encounters with Jesus change your life. It changes the trajectory of your life. So are you trying to get more knowledge or are you trying to have an encounter? Because I want to tell you that the Lord is trying to have an encounter with you. So here's a couple of things. The oil of the virgins, the bridesmaids' lamps, um, are for lighting, for oil, for that they have oil so they can light it, so they can see the path and the next step in the future. And then the oil also represents the Holy Spirit, which I'm, I'm sure that many of you already know that. But it's a startling thing when we think about how oil is represented in Scripture. Uh, Psalm 23, uh, he anoints my head with oil, right? Oil is used in, as a healing property. Um, you put it on wounds to help with healing. You also put oil on livestock for deterrence. Do you know this? Yeah, I didn't know that until my sister got two horses. And she was telling me that she was putting oil on places that I don't ever want to put on a horse. Okay? <laughs> I think in that moment I went, and I'm never going to own a horse. I'm just not going to ever own a horse. Okay? <clears throat> but she has to do it because she said the oil keeps the biting flies off. It keeps the infection out. And I've never forgot that moment because when the Lord says he anoints us with oil, he's anointing us, calling us his own, but he's also softening us like oil does, but he's also protecting us from outside hurts and injuries. Okay, so then I don't know about you. What that speaks to me then is when I, if I'm getting bit by a lot of things, it could be I another, need another anointing of oil. So pay attention if you're being easily offended or easily bitten or easily infected that you need to go let your shepherd give you a fresh anointing of oil and then also I feel like you guys have probably been around a while but I'm just going to tell you what the Lord gave me this morning sorry for the little disclaimer there I'm not going to do that anymore Jesus is speaking about oil and he is about to be crushed for our sins on the Mount of Olives and um the Mount of Olives is an olive grove. The irony is not lost. That he's going to be crushed there, like the Mount of Olives. And that this is the phrase that the Lord gave me this morning. That he is getting ready to release the Holy Spirit into the world by his crushing. So olive, olive oils, olives are crushed and then the oil flows down. And then I just wonder in the spirit, I'm not going to know this until I get to heaven. But as Jesus was crushed, he kept saying, another is coming, another is coming. And that as his body was broken and as he was crushed by our sins, that he starts releasing the Holy Spirit into the world. Just a great picture. Do you know what I mean? I don't know. I just think it's a picture. It does something in my, in my spirit. That he's broken bread and poured out wine. 
And so I remind you that Jesus is talking to you about the kingdom of heaven. And so as he's talking about the, the oil and the lamps and the bridesmaids, he's trying to teach you about the kingdom of God and how to, these three words, live in hope, expectation, and activation. Hope, expectation, and activation. He's told you about these women. And he's been t- those women have been told, he's coming, he's coming, he's coming. And they care that he's coming. Do you understand? They're not at home watching Netflix. They're, they care that he's coming. But only half of them have gone the distance. The, rather, the rest of them thought, this, this is enough. I'm pretty sure I'm, I got enough oil. I'm good. I'm really good. And yet Jesus is talking to them about, I'm inviting you into an encounter. It's going to cost you more than you think it's going to cost you. And it's going to be worth more than you can ever imagine. So this sense of hope and expectation and activation. The first time that I told this on Tuesday night, but the first time I was driving down 75 and I heard, I was just beginning to hear the voice of the Lord. And I, I heard the spirit tell me, what do you think was in the oil of the virgin's lamp? And like, I'm trying to go back to that story. And I'm going, I, I don't know. I know his oil. I don't know. He goes, what do you think that means? I'm going, I don't know. He goes, it was me. It was like a surprise party. It was me. <laughs> and that was the first time that I connected that we are given to each one of us the Holy Spirit. We're given the Holy Spirit so that we might light our lamp for our path. But that when we come together, that we might light the lamp. Oh, God, it kills me. We might light a lamp, a path, so that others can find a way to the bridegroom. And we have a hope. We have an expectation. So we are staying ready because we can't wait to be with him. And we know it's going to be worth whatever. And so instead of us thinking about hellfire and damnation of those who didn't get it, I want you to think about the reaction of the bridegroom. That when I keep my cup full... Full. And when I run out and I go, oh, I don't really care. And oh, I'm this and oh, I'm that. But I'm going, I am so desperately empty. I have to run immediately and get refilled because I can't be caught unaware. And we just talked about that last week, this last beach trip that I came from. I said to the Lord, I'm so sorry. I'm so empty and I'm so dried out. And I'm so sorry that I've allowed myself to get this bad. But the difference being is I knew that I was dried out because I knew what full felt like. Do you know what full feels like? And can you feel yourself drying out enough that you go, I'm not supposed to be living from this place. This is not supposed to be my reality. Because my reality is supposed to be filled to overflowing. Not my doing, his doing, but I just make myself available and I make myself ready. So then I just go, okay, God. So I literally was just standing in the ocean going... Okay, just wash me then. Just wash me. Wash me of all this sin, all this fear, all this upset. I can't even breathe. Just wash me. I didn't try to go do anything. I just needed to be, I know now, I just need to be anointed with oil again. I just need to be refilled with oil again. Does this connect with what I'm saying? Do you understand what I'm saying? But what I love, when I was afraid of Jesus, I spent more time reading Matthew 25 out of fear and punishment. What if I'm a goat? What if I'm one of the unfoolish virgins? 
What if I'm the stupid servant that just buried their gifts? What if, what if, what if? And then that's when I realize that I'm living out of the wrong place. I'm living out of the wrong relationship with Jesus. Because Jesus is trying to say, this is my life. This is my kingdom living where you just go and you don't even have to know how to reproduce the gold. It's just, I gave it to you. Listen, don't miss that phrase. I gave it to you according to what he thought the ability of each servant was. Did you catch that phrase? You don't have to know your ability. He has to know your ability and you have to agree. I don't see it, God, but you see it. So I'm going to go try. I'm going to do the best I can with what I've got, and you do what you do in the mix. And there's something about, hold on, let me listen. He said, hope, expectation, and activation. Because the people on this side, well, actually it was on the right side. People on the right side, the virgins who were prepared, the ones who invested their gold, And the ones who, what was the third one? Ah, the goats and the sheep. The sheep. They had this intimate relationship with the one. They had a desire and affection and an interest in his ways. They were trying to do what pleased him, and that was their sole aim. And these people were lackadaisical. They were settled. That's good enough. I'm Christian enough. I'm worshiping enough. It's okay. But this comes out of duty and performance and not affection and devotion. So if you had to divide Matthew 25, it's out of obligation and duty versus devotion and affection. And the Lord is saying, this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom of heaven is this place of delight and devotion. Do you ever stop, even in worship or in alone or when you're out in the woods or see something beautiful that you realize that there is a song of heaven that is going on all the time. And they're so blown away by the living God that they're just going, I, I got to sing another song. I got to praise some more. Okay, I've been praising for millennia, but I got to praise another song because I just saw something I didn't even know before. Do you ever let your mind think about these things? Is that he is a God of infinite beauty, infinite worth, infinite just delight. And when we say we're going to praise the Lord, it's because we're going to keep discovering things about himself and ourselves that we're just, we're not going to be able to stop. (sighs) Affection and devotion first starts with him. He pours that on us and asks then, will you pour it back on me? He took a picture of oil. He took a picture (laughs) of gold because he knows that's near and dear our hearts. Selah. Why did he use money? Because he knows that we spend so much time thinking about it. And in the Passion Translation, they talk about that the master, another translation says that the master says, it would have been better if you gave that money to the church as opposed to burying it in the ground. Because at least if you gave it to the church, it would have been used for my purposes. So there's something about us taking what God has given us and burying it. It's something about God, what God has given us and falling asleep to it and not preparing. There's something about something that God gives us and us not understanding that the sheep know my voice and they respond when he calls. 
There's something about us being very much aware of the condition of our oil, that we would press into him and to know him. So I'm going to give you these three phrases, and then that's all I'm going to do, and then I want to spend some time on Laura. Jesus is using Matthew 25 to teach on an encounter, how to have an encounter. And these are three comments that I just heard this morning, that we must learn what it means to rest in the Lord. We must. We We don't do it to our peril. Uh, as an assignment, everyone in here needs to go listen to the song by Bethany Dilling, Dylan in the waiting. Is that the name of the song? In the waiting. You can do more in my waiting than in my doing I can do. That is just a line that is just, it just swings around. When I start getting anxious and I'm going, i got to get this done. That's now like this, it's like this beautiful song that the spirit just sings. I can do more. You can do more in my waiting than in my doing. I can do. Some of you just think way too much of yourself. I'm going to do my own jazz hands to myself. <clears throat> you think way too highly of your money. You think way too highly of, I've got to be the one to do it. No, you really don't. You don't. We love you. You don't. <laughs> and if we got down to the end of the day, what does the Lord think about what you're doing? Do you ask him? And I'm a, listen, I'm a doer, but I, the Lord has my attention because to be so depleted, to be so wiped out, to be so out of whack, the Lord has just shown me so kindly. Jenna, I kept inviting you. I kept giving you these little warning signs. I kept giving you these like little silent alarms were going off and I would just blow right past them. And I was being such a martyr, but someone has to do it. Can anybody sing along with me? But someone has to do it. Uh, do you hear how ridiculous it is? I'm going to make fool of myself so I don't have to point fingers at all y'all. <laughs> Seriously. You boil this whole thing down, this whole life thing, when you're standing face to face to him, he's not going to really care about your to-do list. He is absolutely going to care about the condition of your heart and soul. And how have you carried the affection of God? How have you increased your infection, affection for God? And how have you taken the affection of God that you have received and given that away? That's the bottom line. Now, we could do all kinds of work and building kingdoms in the meantime. I'm all about that. But not at the expense of being, having oil in our lamps. Not at the expense of having oil in our lamps. So why don't you put your hand on your heart? So, Lord, just even in this very moment, I'm asking, Spirit, would you just would you just anoint us with oil afresh? Would you just let that slow, warm roll over? my fears and my worries and my to-do lists and what about that and all that, Lord. Just what, let that just roll right over that. Thank you that surely goodness and mercy will follow me and us all the days of our lives because we're with you. We're your, we're your sheep. You take care of your sheep.
I just, I receive you so much this morning, Lord. We just bless you. We just honor you. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen.